Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Sammy. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. <laughs> and I know I counted the wrong way, guys, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But tonight, guys, is my pick. And I'm really interested to see which way this goes. Because you know what? We're nerds. And beyond that, we're science fiction nerds. So... The idea of the future is pretty cool to us, but in our movie tonight, Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny are fighting the future. <laughs> so we're flipping the script on the nerds going back to 1998 to the first X-Files movie. Not that this segment existed, but the first X-Files movie, <laughs> Fight the Future. You mean the X-Files movie? I don't know the second one. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> If if the second one was any worse than this one, I'm gonna have to uh, not watch it. Oh, dude, <laughs> this is Shakespeare compared to the second one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh well. Well, that being said, gentlemen, I think before we go any deeper into our thoughts and grades, with that being said, I think we need to maybe keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, fellas. I am leading off, and I'm going to start this timer up. Because, you know, as the holiday season begins to enter our minds, if you're like me, you're going to the old CD rack or the digital downloads, trying to find those holiday tunes to get you in the spirit of the season. Maybe it's Bing Crosby crooning White Christmas or Chuck Berry rocking out to Run Run Rudolph. This, this week's Keeping It 100 takes those old standards and gives them a twist. Santa Claus isn't the only one coming to town this season because the great Billy Idol has a Christmas album. <laughs> That's right. The man with the snarled lip who brought us White Wedding and Dancing With Myself is now rocking around the Christmas tree for our listening pleasure. <laughs> so, as you prepare for the season, check your list and check it twice that you have this Christmas album on your playlist. And that's why Billy Idol, Happy Holidays, is my Keep You 100 this week. Oh, I love some good Billy Idol jams. <laughs> I, I could, I could, I can hear it now. These these titles rot themselves. He's a... Rocking the manger of Christ, you know, sort of rocking the cradle of love. He's rocking the manger of Christ. He's, uh, he's having a white Christmas instead of a white wedding. I was going, I was going through the, day for the, the iTunes releases, and it was like, Billy Idol's Christmas. I got to listen to this. So. <sighs> Sometimes... Sometimes times are hard. You got to do what you got to do. Rockstar is not always the best with their money. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it's my turn. Here we go. All right. So I'm up next with Ghostbusters Afterlife. I made my way out on opening weekend to see the new installment in the Ghostbusters Odyssey. Who knows? Um, if you guys remember on our news episodes from way, way, way back, um, the trailer for this movie knocked my socks off. And this was one of the ones I was most bummed about getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. 
Um, it's a great time. I have no idea what kind of grade I would give it. Um, there's probably no way to be objective at a movie with so much nostalgia packed into it. And there is a lot of nostalgia built into the movie itself. You can tell that from the trailers. Um, I mean, come on, like half the trailer feels like it's Ecto-1 driving around. Um, but it is a good movie. And the the young characters that we see in the trailers, they're really likable. Um, the story is fun enough. Some of the things they do, for like things they in, like import from the old movies into the new one, are done in, really, in a really clever way. It's a very entertaining movie. And I think it really honors the... Um, the original movies, the way that the, the, that the, I forget what the subtitle was now, the one with the, the re the reboot Ghostbusters movie made a few years back. Mm-hmm. That one was definitely a reboot. They weren't really so much trying to honor the trilogy, just reboot. I mean, the, not trilogy, the original movies, but you know, to, to start over. Whereas this one's very much building on the legacy of the older movies. And I think it's done in a very good way. Very entertaining movie. Ghostbusters Afterlife. My keeping 100. Cool. Awesome. That movie has been pushed back so much. I didn't even know it was coming out this weekend. <laughs> it snuck up on me, man. I, I realized, I think, Monday. <laughs> like, well, it's this week. Wow. <laughs> it was it was a good time, though. And, and they didn't so, spoil everything in the trailers. They they did a little too much, but not everything was spoiled. Well, that's good, then. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of surprises later. That's a good thing. All right, well, I'm up next, and I'm going to bring mine back home, much like Jamie brought his back home, back to a franchise that we all know and love, Star Wars. Uh, we had uh, the Disney Plus Day a, a, a bit ago, and a lot of announcements and things dropped, and one of those things was Under the Helmet, a documentary about the man himself. I think they timed it out to six minutes, 32 seconds of screen time. They actually counted out the amount of words that he had uh, in the uh, in the movies. Not very much, but uh, uh, you know, the impact that this character had made on fandom on the Star Wars universe just disgusting in there looking cool. Talking back to Darth Vader uh, you know, was was so great. And they they take you on a journey on how the character was developed, how he was created, what he was initially meant to be. They, you even get a peek inside Rancho Obi-Wan, uh, the largest Star Wars collection in the world in Petaluma, California. They have over 2,000 pieces of just Boba Fett stuff. Uh, not counting, you know, all of the other Star Wars paraphernalia they have. Uh, but uh, Under the Helmet, a Disney Plus documentary. Uh, it's not a really long ride. It's, uh, I think it's either right at or just under an hour. So give it a, give it a watch. Check it out. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. I, I got a chance to watch it the other, the other evening. And uh, n- now we can say the holiday special is not the first appearance of Boba Fett. It yeah. was actually a what is it Marion County parade. So <laughs> yep. Darth Vader and Boba Fett were introduced at the parade in George Lucas's hometown. So <laughs> all right, I, 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 if I was Boba Fett, I would be for that. I would want yeah. to not be associated with the Christmas special more than I had to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that that's on Disney Plus also, at least the animated. Yeah, at least that short is. They pulled that short out. Yep. Decisions are made. <laughs> Decisions are made. <laughs> Very much so. 
All right, guys. Well, we've talked and talked and talked about this X-Files movie. They, they, they took a, about about five years into the series. Uh, they, they took a, the big screen by storm and released X-Files Fight the Future. What does this title even mean? A subtitle so dumb they've removed it. True. <laughs> so, Jamie... Why don't you lead off with your uh, opening thoughts and grade? Okay. Um, this is, um, we're back in the territory. This is a movie I like, but I don't love. Uh, no, I take that back. Let me rephrase that. I rephrase it more carefully in my notes. I like it, but it's not a great movie. It's a good-ish movie. Um, <laughs> they try really hard, but this doesn't stand alone at all. I mean, this is clearly just a- another installment in the X-Files um, show. The production values are better. It does feel more like a movie here than it, than the TV show did. They've got some more money to play with and it's on the screen. You, you can see that they have better production values here than the, than the show did. The plot is, <laughs> it's just nonsensical as the X-Files ever gets. <laughs> it's convoluted. And if you weren't watching the show, I don't know how you could follow this movie, <laughs> but it is a lot of fun and it's a pretty good movie version of what made the X-Files great. Um, it's a B. It's a solid B movie, but I do like it a lot. Okay. <clears throat> all right, all right. Well, I'm, I'm a hipster from way back. And when the X-Files became a thing, when everybody's like, oh, X-Files, 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 I'm like, okay, off my list, cut. You know, <clears throat> so I, I'm one of the nerds who didn't go there. I was aware David Duchovny was a thing. I was aware Jillian Anderson, FBI, X-Files, Unsolved Mysteries, kind of a deal. <clears throat> okay, whatever. That's that's all I need to know. And uh, for 30 years, I've left the X-Files at that. Um, until uh, my my co-host here said, let's 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 watch this X Files movie. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so I get to watch an X Files movie, having like zero background. I my can't ex- wait to hear the rest of this. <laughs> oh yes, this is a Paul Harvey moment. And the rest of the story. <laughs> and the rest of the story. I knew one of the agents was just really crazy conspiracy theorist. And I knew the other agent was a really grounded, not, you know, that, but really grounded by the book uh, type of person. I didn't know who was who. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know which one it was. Okay. So this, this is, this is my experience. You know? um, so I, I sit down to this movie and we start, you know, back in the ice age in Texas, frozen over. You, know, you, you have these things happening, and I'm watching, and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And and as the movie goes, I'm like, all right, I clearly need some context <laughs> here because they're not they're not able to make this standalone. I clearly need some context of what's going on. So you know, there's a lot of already established stuff that is that is given in the movie that you know, from the show that, that you really need that background. I had no idea who the, th- who the, who the, you know, the, the three stooges were in the hospital room when Mulder wakes up. 
<laughs> I had no idea some of the background with some of these agents. I thought Kurzweil was a cigarette smoking man. Then I see the cigarette smoking man at Kurzweil, you know, all the different things I had gotten. You know, who, who the heck is the well manicured man? I've seen him in a lot of things. He's really cool. So, so I, I, I'm doing a, I'm doing a little bit of a different thing here. I, I really had a hard time following this at some points. So I, I'm, I'm giving this movie two grades. And I, and I tried to take the view of, okay, if you're a fan and if you're established with this stuff, what would that grade be? Okay. And then I'm giving it the grade of me sitting and watching it, trying to figure it out. So my not a fan grade is a D. Okay. I, I was not <laughs> able to follow this. I was not able to, to latch onto some of the characters. Uh, now, now don't get me wrong to Covenant and Anderson's chemistry. Their interactions is phenomenal. Top notch. I give that a 10 out of 10. You know, they're, they're, they're there, but as far as all the other ancillary stuff around it, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm just not able to follow along here. Uh, but now if you're a fan, I'm probably giving this a baby plus, you know, because it really delves into the conspiracy theory stuff, which is right up my alley. I, I wish, you know, why, why, did, why was I not a fan of this show? You know, I love, I love a good conspiracy theory. But, you know, I'm, I would say if you're a fan, it's uh, – and, and I was glad to hear Jamie say B, so I figure you're in B range. But if you're not a fan, it's going to be a struggle. I figured. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I can see that. And I, and I can see that. See, I'm coming from the standpoint of fan. Okay. Oh, you yeah. Know, there, was, there was that time that, you know, X-Files to me was such a huge pop culture thing. Um, I was eating it up. You know, that I want to believe was posted it on was the bedroom wall, it on the dorm room wall. You know, that was a thing for me. Yeah, you had um, Allison Chain, Soundgarden, and I want to believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, I, I do realize th- this is a very convoluted plot, and you need five seasons of the show to be able to understand uh, that five seasons of the cipher, basically, to be able to read this, this movie. Uh, <laughs> but I did find it interesting, though, that this plot reflecting conspiracy theories and stuff, it could just as easily been a plot from today. This could be in something to describe the COVID outbreak, the perpetual unrest in society, um, the Illuminati, not the Marvel one. Uh, you know, I, I still get questions from students constantly about the Illuminati year after year. They show me the dollar bill. I mean, they get into conspiracy theories. So, so I, I just think it's interesting that despite the age of this movie, there's still some applicability to it. You know, it still mirrors our society and, and the, the what's in the dark and, and in the corners, essentially. Uh, it does have some issues, and as we often say, there's a section for that. Uh, I'm going to go B+. Plus. Um, I had a good time with it, but I agree with Dwayne. I think I coming from a fan standpoint is probably why I enjoyed it. Um, coming from it totally cold, this would be a tough watch. Yeah, I mean, this is a good, I mean, entry into like the paranoid thriller sort of genre but it didn't do a good enough job explaining the history of the show if, if they had found a way to bridge that gap for non-fans better this would have been an even better entry into the, the paranoid conspiracy theory thriller genre of movie yeah they, they just they just failed at that 
Yeah, one thing this movie did do, though, I mean, it, it did introduce me to, you know, how in-depth this show delves into some of these conspiracy theories. And it's kind of making me interested. I may honestly go and, and check out a couple episodes uh, and see if if the show grabs me. Uh, because, like I said, you now Duchovny and Anderson's dynamic is phenomenal, and and mm-hmm. the you know, I, I love, like I said, I love a good conspiracy theory, and if you can, you know, make that interesting and and tell a, a compelling story about that, I, I'm I'm all in. So I'm I'm really interested. You know, I'm probably going to delve into a couple X file episodes here in the in the near future. I don't know how to recommend that to you. <laughs> well, see, I'm wondering: Do I need to start episode one, you know, season what? one, episode one, or do I need to, you know, or is there something? Was it kind of maybe out of sequence on screen? You know, when it was aired, you know, is there is there some introductions that I need to really get? Because as uh, watching this, like I said, there was a lot of little things that I'm like, okay, that must already be a thing. Okay, okay. this must already be established. You know, and you know when, he, and like I said, when he wakes up in the hospital room, I'm wondering, like, why is Joe Walsh standing here in the hospital? room? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guy with the blonde mullet, and I'm like, you know, is this, is this an Eagles reunion? You know, <laughs> David Duchovny's playing Don Henley. Okay, I get it. Well, here's my two cents, and then Sammy can can see how he feels about it. So, I, for me, the X Files was appointment television in the way that nothing else ever was before or since. Uh, uh-huh. I, I I would have, I mean. The violence that would have been done to someone trying to keep me away from the X Files <laughs> it was ready to come on would have been unbelievable. Um, but I recently did a full how many seasons when, when they were going to do the new season on Fox. I Number went back and did a full rewatch. Seasons. Yes, I went back. I even the Robert Patrick season. I went back and rewatched. Yeah, all of it. And the the overarching what they called the the mythology episodes, it doesn't hold up. I don't think it does because I don't think Chris Carter had a plan and things that are, that are set up, keep getting retconned over and over and over again. Hmm. And so the things that happen in this movie get retconned in short order. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, on my rewatch, when, when it was airing, when they would do the special music and I knew it was a mythology episode, I was so excited. But after about a season and a half, I would sort of cringe and so, like, the Monster of the Week episodes became the things I look forward to the most on the rewatch. And I kind of okay. dreaded the mythology episodes because they d- it didn't hold together. The story didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Sam, what, what did you, what do you, what, how do you find that? You know, I, I think for me, the, the Monster of the Week episodes are the ones that always stood out to me. Um, just, the, it was kind of a formula for a lot of 90s television sci-fi stuff was monster of the week. Smallville was that way. You know, X-Files was that way. Um, those are the ones I guess that stood out to me, the way that they went, would interpret. Uh, it's been a long time since I've went back and rewatched it. I've got all nine seasons, so I may have to be digging into this just to see. I'm interested now, Jamie, with you saying that. So, yeah, I, I did. I found myself very frustrated whenever it was, because hmm. going back, I mean, I was like, the can- you know, they they changed what they called him. Originally they called him the Cancer Man. Originally they changed it to the Cigarette yeah. Man. Then he was just the Smoking Man. Um, I guess they thought it was kind of inappropriate. <laughs> but uh, like whenever he would show up or Crycheck or whoever, I would get so excited. 
But like after a couple seasons, I was like, man, just give me Giovanni Ribisi with Lightning. I mean, just <laughs> give me the Monster of the Week, man. Give me the Rashomon episode. I, I need. I, that's what I want. There you go. All right. Well, you know, there's one thing I'm sure they didn't need for temperature in Antarctica, but probably for the uh, whatever was going on in those vats, they were keeping the aliens and the people in there with some with some fans. So I don't know if we have any fans laying around for this thing or not. Let's go see. So here we go. All right. And I'm leading off. Great. I'm leading off on fans. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I've already, showed, I've already showed my hand uh, and, you know, nuked the fridge, I guess, there uh, during my opening thoughts. But, you know, my, my biggest fan was the the dynamic, the chemistry between Duchovny and Anderson. Um, Mulder and Scully or, you know, Scalder or Moldy or whatever they, you know, they would ship their names or whatnot. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's a, there's not quite a, a, a sexual tension, but there's a, like this really intense friction and, and relationship that they have. Um, I'm so glad, you know, when they had the scene with the kiss that it didn't resolve know that there was something because they needed that they still needed to maintain that that tension but i love their interactions how how he would just spout off this randomness and she's just like okay you're crazy but here's what i'm gonna do you know (laughs) and uh, she was constantly keeping him grounded or you know bringing him by the book and he's like you know hey i don't know how to do this come look through this microscope you know and uh uh, you know, performing the autopsy, uh, the, uh, you know, this is my, this is my surprise face. Well, that's the face you made, you know, <laughs> all of, all of those little, little interactions, uh, really, uh, you know, kept me on the screen for this movie. Um, you know, all of the, uh, other craziness that was happening around them that really, you know, grounded me in a relationship and, you know, gave me something to grasp onto. I, I I completely agree. I, I I have another fan, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna second your motion. Um, I, I think I think Chris Carter wasn't the best at holding a multi-season long plot together, but he was great at characters, creating characters. I mean, Mulder and Scully are great. Skinner is great. The, all the bad guys and the the elders and the cabal. I mean, they're all interesting. Even the well manicured man, dumb name, but he's an, he's a really cool character. Um, the Lone Gunman were interesting. They even got a little spinoff that lasted three whole episodes. Um, <laughs> I watched all three of them. Yeah, I, I did some. Uh, I did some Google and Wiki diving. Like, okay, what is the story behind this movie? You know, and I, I really did. And so, and then I found out about the Lone Gunman and some of the other weird things that happened. But but you, but you yeah. did. I mean, that that even like you picked up on what what Chris Carter and that show did best was the character. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and I guess that's kind of where my fan feeds from is this movie feels like an extension of the television show. Um, You know, a lot of times episodic television doesn't translate well to movies, as we've kind of talked about pre-show. You don't get a lot of television shows that turn movies that aren't very good. Uh, This one at least feels like it continues the story in some ways, right? 
uh, especially longtime fans, we get lots of nods to you know previous characters, little previous storylines. We get a little bit of groundwork that, like Jamie said, kind of gets retconned away quickly, but it's there. Um, I think on this rewatch, what I really enjoyed, though, was nods to other directors. You know, Carpenter, we now know how the thing got into the, the Arctic. We, we know now, right? Uh, we get nods to Ridley Scott's Alien, I think. I think even with that uh, Paleolithic intro, we get a little bit of Kubrick's 2001. So I think amidst all of the uh, fun stuff with Mulder and Scully, I think there, you know, Carter's also given us some nods to to cinema. Um, I I try, I try in the fan section to be a little bit thoughtful to you know you know make it interesting for the listeners. I, I've got nothing interesting, man. My my <laughs> my my fan for this movie this week is that this was a pure nostalgia high for me. Um, I I had forgotten how much I loved the X Files, uh, how, how much I loved these characters, how much I loved this world, and even its nonsense story that was like Play-Doh and was always changing. Um, but I was there for the ride, and I I really felt like I was back in 1998 with the, like like with the Soundgarden posters on the wall, and it felt like I got in a time machine. And I when the and it started the second that little those little notes of the yep. music and I just felt myself just transported back mm-hmm. and and it was and it just I, I felt all those feelings all over again and it and even though the story is pure nonsense and like I said it is retconned by the end of the next season <laughs> um, <laughs> this is but I didn't care. Um, because I got to spend more time with Scully and Mulder. Yep. And I love those characters so much. I had forgotten how, how much fun it was to just spend some time with them. Um, I, I mean, the paranoid intrigue stuff is fun. But, like, get, just getting sucked back into that world with those people. Um, it was great. And it was, I mean, like, I only gave it a B. And it's, it's only a good-ish movie. But just getting transported again was worth the ride. And I kind of like, I side-eyed your, your draft. When you drafted this thing, I kind of gave you the side-eye, Sammy. But, <laughs> but but after getting in the time machine, um, I'm glad you did it. And it was it was a very worthwhile experience. So yeah, yeah. I'm just, my fan is just the pure nostalgia buzz. I got off this list. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, 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 and I, I'm kind of, I, I don't want to be that guy, you know, like, you know, things, you just enjoy things that are good because they're good, not because of the nostalgia, but man, it was, it was a pure trip. <laughs> well, speaking of nostalgia, one thing that really brought some nostalgia back to me was the giant Jiffy Pop uh, poppers. So let's go ahead and get in that pan and see what we've got for our pan section. All right. Um, I guess I'll lead off on pans. And this was has always been a big one for me. Television, movies, whatever. Um, I've never understood why we cannot just have a platonic partnership between a male and a female character. Um, You know, I, I don't understand why there always has to be this tension and, you know, possible romantic relationship I think it diminishes the character sometimes. 
And, you know, I know they, they played with that back and forth in the television show some. I didn't like it then either. You know, I just and, – and especially now as an adult. You know, I'm the only guy that works in a building full of women, okay? I've never at any point thought, hmm, you know, I'm going to have a relationship with somebody other than the person that works there that I am in a relationship with, you know? But it's just one of those things. And, and I just think that that I, I hate when they, they take that down that road. So that, that scene Dwayne was talking about when he said, it's glad it didn't come to fruition. Me too. I didn't want to see that. Yeah. I didn't at the time either, but I had different motivations. <laughs> I had a gigantic crush on Julian Anderson. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> Unfortunately, now I can I can only see her as the Iron Lady. I haven't it, seen those episodes. I've seen some steals. It's because in the Crown. Oh my! Yeah. She's she's Thatcher. So. <laughs> Okay, mine is I'm up next on pain. Mine's probably silly. I thought Antarctica looked terrible. Um, and I can't, I mean, people are running around barely have like jackets on. They're unzipped. Everybody's sweating. When snow gets splashed on the windshield, it melts. I mean, it's just everything's melting everywhere. I mean, like, so I looked it up. I'm like, did they film this in like Colorado and they're like spraying snow everywhere? Like, I mean, what is going on? So they actually filmed in British Columbia, which is, you know, cold part of Canada. Um, it must have been during the spring thaw. I mean, everything <laughs> just looked warm. <laughs> everything was melty. It didn't look like Antarctica at all. And um, it was I just found it really, really distracting. And and watching Mulder run around like with his no hood on, like, dude, you'd have if you were really Antarctica, you'd have hypothermia. I'm like, you'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> Your jacket's partially unzipped, no hood. Yeah, nobody had their hoods on. I mean, yeah, it was, it, it it was like a dumb little thing that pulled me out of the movie, like repeatedly. Every time they went outside that snow, and everybody looked hot. <laughs> it pulled me out of the movie. Oh. Well, I'm uh, I'm up at last with the uh, with the pans, and you know, much much like a Jamie's uh Antarctica not looking great. I, as, as I was watching this, I apparently missed the little coordinates that the world manicured man handed him. And all, and all of a sudden, we're in Antarctica. And I'm like, wait a minute. How the heck did we wind up in Antarctica? So I had to rewind like, you know, like 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> like, okay, what did I miss to wind up in Antarctica here? It isn't just that. How did he get to Antarctica? In 48 hours. I paused it. I paused it. Looked over at my wife. I was like, "How? How did how did we get to Antarctica in forty? Because it does say it says forty eight hours later." I'm like, "It's going to take you longer than that with absolutely no connections to get to Antarctica." I'm sure you can't just book a flight. You've got to have a reason to go there. You got to have a connection, you know. And I'm just like, "Okay, I guess we're just going to have to go." And that's my pan. There's so much coincidence in this movie. There's yep. so many things you just have to accept. Oh, I've randomly met this person who knew my dad. You know, <laughs> oh, we're randomly around the corner. Oh, you know, everything just is so conveniently right there. Kurzweil's apartment. Oh, the, the place are already there. This happens. That's already there. You know, but we're in Antarctica. No problem. You got 96 hours, half of it, 
we're in Antarctica. No, no deal. You know. Uh, <clears throat> oh, let's just go straight down this road. Uh, you know where there is no road. Chasing these tankers. Oh, well, look, there's the train with the with the tankers on it. Oh, a, a handy access road that leads all the way to the popcorn poppers. You know, there's just so much coincidence you had to buy in this movie. I could not hang with it. How about this bee's been under my collar for hours, but it didn't sting me until I got to Mulder's place. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, the bees are in and it peaks out during the trial, but it's nice and cozy in here. Let's just go back. And the bad guys happen to have an ambulance ready and nearby. Right. Because remember, they were going to take her out with this random bee. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. So weird. So many little coincidences I just could not hang with. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was another thing that kind of happened on the show a little too often. Oh, really? So it is So it is a thing. It's not just... It's Because I was wondering, because I'm like, okay... Maybe they're just used to writing TV and can't stretch the story out this long. Is is why they're having these issues. Now, I was wondering why why, but that was but that was a thing on the show too. It's just not not as like over the top as some of the things that you pointed out <laughs> that were glaring <laughs> with neon flashing signs pointing at. Them. But like in some of those mythology episodes, they, it would be like it, things would just kind of happen to be happening, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. just, just, just lucky into a lot of things. Yeah, he's a very yeah, he's a very lucky guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah very lucky guy. Well, you know, we're kind of lucky to get to hang some awards on this thing. So let's move into our awards section. Okay, Jamie, you're leading us off, and there are, there are you know quite a quite a few things in this movie. You know, not the least of which are some performances. So let's hear yours. I mean, for me, it's a it's a two way tie. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> spoil how this is going. I'm pretty sure more than one of us will do this. So Oscar rules. Here we go. The Coveney's getting best performance. Um, I think he's really good in this movie, and um, I, I feel like th- this movie, even more than the show, hangs on him. I mean, he he ha- he has to make this work. Um, on the show, I think it's very much 50-50 between him and Julian Anderson. But I think with the movie being so, like, you know, conspiracy, you know, heavy, um, that he, he has to sell it. Like, he he has to make us believe that this world is true, that all this stuff is really happening. I think his performance, uh, I mean, as, as nonsense as it is, um, as, as really unbelievable as all the things that are happening are, he sells me on it. Like I, I believe that that what he believes about this world is real because of how convincing he is. So that's why I leaned for him toward best performance. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to the other side of that coin, and I'm going to pick the more anchored person because, you know, Duchovny did a great job of of you know laying out all of these theories, being the the crazy kook. But you know, Anderson really was. Uh, a solid anchor for us uh, coming into the show to latch on to and to realize, oh, this is an FBI thing. This isn't just some, you know, crazy conspiracy like Nicolas Cage in uh, National Treasure, you know, just, just going off the deep end all this crazy stuff. This is an actual FBI situation here. There are rules, procedures, and things to go through. 
And, you know, that, that anchor, I think, is very important. And she did a great job, uh, you know, of being the, you know, the, the yin to his yang, I guess. Yeah. I totally agree, you know, as what Dwayne said. But I'm going to flip that coin back. So <laughs> I'm going with Duchovny as Fox Mulder for best performance. Um, what I love about Mulder in general is he is a thinking protagonist. He is not your typical action lead. Uh, I love the fact that that there's this, even though he's, you know, off the wall sometimes in the conspiracy theories, I love the way he thinks. That quirkiness of character just makes him so cool. And, and just, you know, teenage me dug it, adult me still digs that kind of character. Um, you know, it's probably why it's not a household name like some of his contemporaries are. But uh, but this reminded me why I like Mulder as a character. And so Duchovny definitely brought that back for me. Okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, I'm up next with best scene. And I really there's there's so many interesting scenes in this and and. But really, the scene that had the most impact on me was was uh, I know we'd already mentioned it was was the almost kiss. You know, you have this culmination of this relationship, and and I agree with what Sam said so much. You, know, you don't have to have you know a, an intimate relationship if you have a male and a female on screen. It can be platonic, and and that's healthy. That's great. That's good. And you know, you have these people in these intense relationships, in these intense situations. You know, things can get really emotional and you know we, you can lose your head at times and and i love that they were almost there and then the b says hey bring it back <laughs> <laughs> and and you know and i love that we had that that break in that tension and remain and still maintain the integrity of the relationship um I, i'm i'm glad that the writers and director decided to keep that on the level and I love the whole time she's explaining her symptoms. She's telling him exactly what's happening. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm losing my, you know, m- muscle feeling. Okay. I've got a weird, weird taste in my throat. I've got, you know, <laughs> it's getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I think as far as best scene for me, yes, Antarctica looked a little melting, but I think that's where they really got to flex that movie budget that we wouldn't have seen in the television show. Um, you know, I always felt like the show was more kind of grounded and personal in a lot of ways. But we get these big sweeping vistas, these detailed alien hives, and those are things we would not have gotten in the television show. So you can definitely see the movie budget definitely gave them room to be able to to stretch and, and show, you know, the inside of these ships and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Uh, speaking of budget, $66 million budget for this movie, and it made $189 million. So that's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. 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 No. Um. I'm with you in Antarctica as once they get inside the ship. <laughs> yes. That's the thing. Not not the outside, but the inside thing. <laughs> um, okay, so for, for my best scene, I'm gonna go with the bee farm stuff. Um Yeah. I, I thought that that was just from the second 
they they come down there it's like a cornfield with those like looks like Madonna's bra from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not pointy enough. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just, like, it's weird, right? Like, what is this about? So it's re- so it's really vi- visually interesting. And then they go inside, and the the bees pop out. It's a really sort of cool visual, and it's really tense. And then the then the helicopters chasing them away. It's just a really cool scene. Um, once again, it I, that they don't that doesn't hold water later on, but. Um, it's just a really cool, intense, you know, block of time mm-hmm. in the movie. And I love the fact that you guys have referred to that as Madonna's bra and Jiffy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cool connection for those. <laughs> well, I, I just told the Covenies from the uh, that that was how he described them, yeah. Jiffy Pop poppers. Yeah. Like, wow! If there's ever a timely reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did we joke about the Jiffy Pop too, and like when we did the Scream episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about how like, it, was, it was one more thing that a modern you know viewer would be lost about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, what do you think about all the cell phones in this movie? <laughs> I laugh every time. <laughs> the bricks. Yep. Yes. Pulling out the it. antenna with authority. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make a call. I'm almost going blazing saddles with hold on one moment while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you whip out your best character, Sammy? You're at first on that category. All right. So we <laughs> talked about um, both Mulder and Scully, and I gave performance to to Mulder. Best character's got to go Scully. Um, You know, their chemistry is what made the television show work, and that's what made this movie work, despite some of the -the off-the-rail stuff. Um, She is the perfect foil for Mulder. She's the the skeptic. Um, And when you've got a character like Mulder, if you don't have somebody to counterbalance that, not in a romantic way, but just to keep him honest, like he says, um, you need that. And so Scully definitely gets best character. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you. Um, I, I mean, not just because of a childhood crush, but I just think Scully is a very interesting character. You know, that, that she was brought on the show explicitly to debunk him, to derail the X-Files, to get him shut down. And... But she was too good at her job. She was too objective, and she gave him a chance. And and so and the way that that has played out, I mean, through the whole life of the show, um, was just incredibly interesting. It made her a really interesting character, and and it, it continues through the movie. Like that's, I mean, they <laughs> belabor it maybe one time too many, <laughs> but um, but it's a great dynamic, and she's just a really interesting character. Yeah, well, I'm going to take a reach, and uh, I, I knew that, uh, you know, uh, Anderson um, and Duchovny would be all over the best performance, best characters, <clears throat> but I'm going to reach for a, a character unique to this movie, but I, I wish, you know, even though I've never watched the show, I wish he maybe would have been in the show at some point, point. and with his situation in the movie, I thought that he was, but uh, <clears throat> Martin Landau's Kurtzwell. Uh, this crazy kook writing these end time books. Uh, 
does does he really know the, you know Mulder's dad? Does he not know Mulder's dad? Is he just trying to trying to you know play both ends to the middle here? Uh, you know what has he truly uncovered? Uh, but I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and you know any any time I can see uh, Landau getting some work, I'm I'm good. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting character. Maybe not the best, but uh, but I really thought it was interesting for for the role that they gave him. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that. Um him and Mulder having weird off, weirdo like battles, like weird off <laughs> yeah, weird alleys yeah. behind bars. <laughs> it's just really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's meet in these really uncomfortable spots and have uh, you know who, who can be the walls. weirdest, right? Yeah, who can be the, the most uh, awkward, uh, weird uh, conspiracy theorist while while we're uh, urinating? Um, hey, yeah. and, and if Mulder's looking at you going, "You're weird. You're weird." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm up first on best quote, and it's kind of a long one, so you'll have to bear with me, guys. He's so Mulder is kind of lost at this point, and he feels lost. So he goes to a bar, and so the the barmaid asks him, "So what do you do?" And he says, "What do I do? I'm the key figure in an ongoing government charade, a plot to conceal the truth about the existence of ex- extraterrestrials. It's a global conspiracy, actually, with key players in the highest levels of power, and it reaches down into the lives of every man, woman, and child on this planet. So, of course, no one believes me. I'm a I'm an annoyance to my superiors, a joke to my peers. They call me Spooky, Spooky Mulder, whose sister is abducted by aliens. He was just a kid. <laughs> now he chases after little green men with a badge and a gun, shouting to the heavens, or to anyone who will listen to the fix is in that the sky is falling, and when it hits." It's going to be the bleep storm of all time. <laughs> and she says, well, I was ahead about does it spooky. And she starts pulling that all the way through. <laughs> but I just love that, that drunken monologue that he just unfurls yep. on us. You know, it's, it's great. And see, that's, that's one of the best ones in this. But there's another one Mulder gives at the beginning of the movie. When he looks at Scully and says... What did it happen to play in a hunch, Scully? The element of surprise. Random acts of unpredictability. If we fail to anticipate the unforeseen or expect the unexpected in a universe of infinite possibilities, we may find ourselves at the mercy of anyone or anything that cannot be programmed, categorized, or easily referenced. Like I said, smart dialogue. I like it. (laughs) Well, mine sounds really dumb now, but uh, those those are all, all great ones. But uh, I really, uh, <clears throat> you know, an- another really cool scene uh, was you know in the back of the uh, limousine with the well manicured man. You know when he's getting the information, but I like the well manicured man's um, definition of a virus. You know, as, as he's laying it all out, laying the the premise out to Mulder. You know, he says, "What is a virus? But a colonizing force." Yeah, that's just yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a really interesting scene, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like the way that that whole scene played out. So the, you know, the whole interchange was was good, yeah. but yeah, that, that that just that little interchange about the virus. I'm like, oh, that's that's a neat way to look at it. Yeah, and I, I love that that extra little layer of the driver not being on the same team and kept peeking back. You know, like yeah. He only kind of sort of works for the well-manicured man. He really works for the cabal. You know, he's uh, I had just an extra little bit of tension. That yeah, made everything yeah, And how the well-manicured man knows it, you know, and then he even yeah. says, you know, uh, you know I, was, I was sent to kill Curse Will just like I was sent to kill you. And then he pulls the shell on the driver, you know, and 
And yeah. Motor still thinks he's going to shoot him. He says, get out. He says, wow, you've already ruined the upholstery, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole little scene was so fun. And the whole time, Kurzweil is probably in the trunk, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right, fellas. That was our awards. And now it's time for our weekly draft. And this week, Sammy had the brilliant idea to draft best buddy cop duos. Yes. And so, Sam, since this was your pick and your brilliant idea, you get to go first. All right. So when I think of buddy cops, I I think of that and, right? Mulder and Scully. I think of where that and comes in. And I think for sure, first one off the table for me, Sherlock and Watson. Specifically Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, but yeah. <laughs> They're my favorite too. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Join? Alright, yeah, they were on my board, so thank you there, Sam. Uh, well, I'm going with a classic, classic duo. One of the great Buddy Cop Christmas movies. Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson. <laughs> oh, there's the top of my draft board gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also I, thought this would be a good one for sniping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. Yeah, I, I was wondering how how bad it would be sniped on. <laughs> yeah, for for me, I mean, Riggs and Murtaugh are like the. I mean, the dictionary. Like, if you look up buddy cops, like especially from the '80s, and you find yeah. like their their pictures in the dictionary. Yeah, they're there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Alright, so that was my That was off my draft board um, Thanks um, So I'm going to go in a slightly different direction A little more comedic And I'm going Angel and Butterman From Hot Fuzz <laughs> Yep <laughs> That's a great one <laughs> That was a lot <laughs> Oh, very nice all right, well, well, Jamie, you talked about the classic 80s. I'm going to go back to the 70s. And I'm going to go Frank Pacciarello and John Baker, Punch and John from Chips. Not the movie, the television <laughs> show. <laughs> but that caveat in there. Eric Estrada and Larry Wilcox, that was on my board. That's all right. Yep, yep. All righty, well, I'm going to go... Back to the 80s with uh, a great, this was actually a trio. It started as a duo, but Beverly Hills Cop, Rosewood, Taggart, and Fulton. <laughs> I mean, how great is, you know, Judge Reinhold and uh, John Ashton, you know, as Rosewood and Taggart. And then you throw Eddie Murphy's actual Foley into the mix, and you just have hilarity and absurdity. All right, that was okay. So what's left on my draft board? Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got a good one. They don't they don't have a long legacy, but the one movie that they were buddy cops in was absolute magic. John McClane and Zeus Carver. And Die Hard with a Vengeance. Bruce Willis and Samuel mm-hmm. L. Jackson. Buddying mm-hmm. up through that movie. Absolute magic. 
but it was. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that one? I have not seen that one. I have checked that one out. It's the second best Iron Man. Behind only the original. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Sam, last round. Let's think, let's think, last round. But I want to go with. I'm left some honorable mentions. That's a good thing, at least. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Agent J and Agent K. Will Smith. Tommy Lee. I was saving him for the third round. (laughs) Dang on it. Oh, Jamie's outburst of frustration. I wish this was a video cast now. Oh, that's great. I thought I could sneak that by you guys. That's <laughs> great. No, but they're great. They're great. And the, yep. and, and, like, and like with McLean and, and, and Zeus, like it's like the chemistry is not exactly what you would expect, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have predicted that Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones would be so good together, but they're great. <laughs> I'm going to have to cheat so hard now. Who <laughs> <laughs> will? I'm going to keep it Will Smith and go Martin Lawrence and Will Smith in Bad Boys. Yeah, I mean, that, they had a great dynamic. You know, just from, from busting uh, Michael Shannon uh, in the swamps to messing with, uh, you know, Martin Lawrence's daughter's date. That, that was a that. great dynamic. <laughs> I think that is my favorite scene for any of the Bad Boys movies. That's a great scene. Alright, I was going to wait and cheat on my honorable mentions, but now you've all completely emptied my draft board. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've got one more left. I've got nothing. So I'm going to go with uh, Jack Burton and Wang. Big trouble in Little China. There you go. I know they're not really cops, but they've got the buddy cop dynamic going on. Yeah, you had a couple that's situations true. like that that I kind of <laughs> thought about, but yeah, that's that's a great one. All right, well, I've got one more uh, on my draft board that we can do for honorable mention, and I'll turn Sam loose with a couple of his honorable mentions. But I just wanted to mention Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker from my show. They were so much fun. Yep. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Yep, that was one of my honorable mentions. So, yeah. Well, guys, Buddy Cop, Turner, and Hooch. <laughs> I was wondering about that when you were saying Hanks when you kept referring to the Hanks ant. And, Hanks and Beasley. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. How about uh, how about Bruce Willis, Lilu, and Chris Tucker? <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think we're just stretching now. <laughs> I told you, I had nothing left. I think we're just stretching now. <laughs> oh. Now, yeah. now, if we were going to, um, and, this would, and this would lead directly into the next segment, if we were going to do Buddy Cop, like the real twist of an antagonist, there's a good one in Point Break. Yep. Johnny Utah yep. and Bodie. So Patrick Swayze and our Keanu Reeves. So thank you for that segue. So <clears throat> I'm just going to leave it at that. That's a perfect segue. How does Keanu connect to the X-Files? <clears throat> okay. I'm interested. I already, I already gave you a point break. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing a little extra work here. Okay, here we go. Here's my prepared statement. 
Keanu doesn't do TV. None of these people do movies. There is no Keanu connection. I'm sorry. The end. <gasps> Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how long it took me to come to that conclusion. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing with all I of think these. I, went, I think I went through about 50 people in the special effects department before I realized this was hopeless. It's not happening. <laughs> well, wow. I was sheep in the crew. Well, I figured, you know, as many things as John Neville has been in and, and land out, and I figured there would be some type of a connection there. Well, well, that's interesting. Well, at least we got the buddy cop connection with Swayze and, and Keanu there. There you so go. I guess, I guess we'll have to get the, uh, the, the descending trombone. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Going on <laughs> for this connection, but yeah, there's uh, no whoa, <laughs> <laughs> no kaboom. <laughs> well, guys, we we hope you have enjoyed uh, our review and uh, and uh, discussion of the X Files fight the future more than the movie title makes sense. Uh, coming up next, guys, we've got a lot of news to filter through. Oh, yeah. This is going to have to be a very succinct news episode. We're going to have to move the discussion along, or we're going to have to leave a lot of stuff on the floor because there's been a lot of announcements now that movie theaters are actually becoming a thing again. Uh, so I'm really excited to see, uh, of all the stuff that's coming out, where we where we go with that. So as you tune into our news episode next week, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to keep it nerdy as all those COVID-delayed movies are finally released. 